Luke, yeah. Why don't you guys open up your Bibles uh, to Romans chapter 5. How many of you are happy to be here? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Chapter 5 of Romans, verse 5. I'm going to read to all the way to verse 11. And please pray for me while I stand here. <laughs> the Lord is good, guys. Verse 5. It says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Thank you, Jesus. God is good, guys. Have any of you ever had your sights set on something, had some sort of hope and been disappointed? Have you, I used the example earlier. Um, We get married, um, we have kids, we're in that 30-something age group, and we start looking at houses. We uh, go and make an offer on one, we start the loan docs and everything, and after 30 days or so, um, the retail says, no, well, you got a little more more waiting to do. It gets to 45 days, and finally it gets to 90 days. I know I experienced this, and it caused great grief. Just advice. It's not worth it. Don't grieve over that. A brother of mine said, uh, don't let it steal your joy. But anyway, all of a sudden, after 90 days, your hopes are dashed. Nothing happened. You didn't qualify, or the guy backed out, or or something. The house wasn't at the value it should have been at. And those, there are disappointments in life. And that kind of hope can bring disappointment. But let me tell you something. The hope in the Lord does not disappoint. Our hope in the Lord is not if. If it happens. It's just a matter of when. Okay? We're in practice. We're in training. We're here before the Lord. Um, he glorifies himself in us. And uh, this side of eternity, um, we are here with that hope that we know someday we'll be in his presence just completely enveloped by his glory. And he is so, so wonderful. 
and he really, really is. And um, that's what he's saying. Uh, Paul is saying to the Roman church in verse 5. He says, hope disappoints, but basically not our hope. Our hope is set on Christ. I remember growing up in the church, not from a youth, but from an adult when I became a, a Christian. A wise pastor once told me, keep your eyes on Christ because everything else disappoints. And it's true. I've gone through some real harsh stuff as a Christian. Um, I've seen churches fall apart. I've seen pastors fall down. But one wise pastor said, keep your eyes on Christ. And that's my advice to you this morning. Keep your eyes on the Lord. He does not, does not fail. He does not break promises. He is just so awfully good and so gracious and so wonderful. And Paul comes to the Romans. And if we read the first four verses of Romans and and basically the first four chapters, we understand that the Roman church is already pretty well versed in what the Christian doctrine is. We find out that uh, we know that it's by faith. It's by grace. Alone in Christ, right? We know all that. We know the story of the crucifixion, the resurrection. We know of how Christ died and suffered. But it's almost as if Paul is saying, okay, guys, you know all that. Now sit back and listen. You need to contemplate about this. Don't just take it flippantly and say, oh, yeah, the Lord died for me. No, stop and think what that entails. Just stop and see what that in, just It just encapsulates. It, it, it surrounds a big, big um, detailed thing that we should know. Um, and he goes on to write to them. He says in verse 6, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And just as a reminder, when I say that um, our hope is, is, is certain, it's a conviction in our hearts. It's not just this fuzzy, warm feeling we get when we come to church and we know God loves us. It's true. It's repeated in, in God's word. It's, it's pointed out. And if when you came to the Lord, you actually did become a son or daughter of God, the Lord deposits his spirit in you. And that brings conviction. So before we go on, let's go to um, Galatians 4. Verses 4 through 6. I'll go ahead and read it. If you guys find that's fine. If not, go ahead and write it down. But Galatians 4 says, When the fullness of time had come, verses 4 through 6, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, crying out, Abba, Father. So there's a seal. There's a a conviction. There's a proof when we are sons and daughters of God. Um, 
No one's going to have to tell us. It's in his word. He convicts us with his spirit, and it's just amazingly, amazingly true. It's not just that fuzzy little warm feeling or that little sentiment we get. It's conviction. I know who my father is. I know who I belong to. And I'm able, if I'm a son or daughter of God, to say, Abba, Father. I just, it, 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 it hits me to the core when I have the realization that I have a privilege that I'm able to call the God of the universe, Pops, Daddy, Papa. That's what Abba Father means. It's the most endearing form of talking to God the Father. Abba, my dad. And if you're able to do that just freely and knowing you have that privilege, I guarantee you are a son or daughter of God. If you're not able to do that, if you've never experienced that and felt that, that um, acceptance from him, you, you need to sit down and, and just scrutinize your life and realize maybe I'm not saved. Forgive me for saying that, but you need to have that freeness to be able to come before God and say, Abba, Father. Verse 5, it says that he poured his spirit into us, into our hearts. And verse 4 of Galatians just is another proof of that. Go to Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 16. Romans 8, 14 through 16 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Whenever we see sons, it refers to mankind, so it actually saying sons and daughters. Okay, guys? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. Knowing this brings conviction to our lives. Knowing this, it just, people are always seeking, trying to find themselves. As Christians, we don't or shouldn't have that problem anymore. We're sons and daughters of God. The Lord's Spirit gives testimony to our spirit that we're his Son or daughter. It's, it's just as real as when our own Father here on earth gives us instructions on something and we're out in the world living life and we're about to do something and we'll say, wait, my dad taught me about this. How would he feel if he knew what I was doing now? Well, believe me, when the Spirit of the Lord gives testimony to your spirit of how you're living, it's a real thing. It's a total real thing. It's, it's, it's not emotion. It's just true. Mark, um, son, is that how I taught you? When I do things that I know offend the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, it just brings conviction to my life. And that's what should happen in all our lives. We should be convicted into knowing that, wow, the God of the universe is present with me and I'm living this way. 
And when you come to the realization that no matter what you do to rationalize something, and, and, you, and you feel that the Spirit keeps telling you, it doesn't matter what you think, it's not what my Lord wants, then you know you're a son or daughter of God. And that's where, this is where the Romans were. They knew about the crucifixion and the resurrection, but now Paul is going to remind them of what all this entails. Okay? Verse 6 says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For when, when we were still without strength. I like what the, the New Living Translation of the Bible says. It says, When we were utterly helpless. You know what it means to be utterly helpless? It means there's nothing within you that's a redeeming factor. Nothing of your own quality can redeem you. You're on your last leg. There's really nothing you can do to repair your life. There's nothing you can do to remake your life. There's nothing you can do to change. Because I think we've all tried it. We've all said, Lord, I'm going to do better. Lord, just give me this one more chance. And not until we realize that on our own we can't do it does a change occur. Not until we invite the Lord to take over our lives does a change occur. Not until we realize that the Christian life isn't what I add on to my life, but what I let the Lord do with my life do I change. Christianity isn't what you add to the back of the caboose. It's not what you add to your life. It's who you become. It's what the Lord transforms you into. And we were in a point where, believe me, we were beyond help. We couldn't help ourselves. We, we often say, oh, I, was, I was on that last thread. I was just hanging from that thread. No, we weren't hanging on that thread. We, were, we had busted that thread a long time ago. We were plunging headlong, plunging headlong into a bottomless pit, into a chasm, into a place of darkness. Okay? We couldn't be helped. There was nothing good in us. Um, think of it like this. We needed a reprieve. We needed someone to come and help us quick. Think of sitting underneath the gallows, having that noose over your neck and having it drawn closer and closer and tighter and tighter. That's where we were. That's where we are without Christ. Okay, guys? Just think of being in that electric chair shackled and bound and just waiting to have that switch tripped. And we're all there. Okay? We're all there. If we look at Romans 3.23, it says that, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, so if you're sitting there saying, Mark, man, you're being pretty mean. I'm a pretty nice person. You know what? You might be. I had people convinced I was pretty nice. Actually, I was pretty nice to the world standards because they saw the external, right? They saw who I presented. What's character? It's who you are when no one's looking. People didn't know my character. They knew my outside. And that's all we all are, right? God's Word says, for all have sinned. How many people is that? All, all have sinned 
all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says that the payment or the wages for sin is death. Where was I going? I was going to die eternally, forever. Forever. I always remember the movie Sandlot when I say that. Forever. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, forever is a long time. But it says in verse 6, when we were without strength, when we were weak, when we were utterly, utterly helpless, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. At that precise moment, when that noose was going to be pulled, when that switch was going to be hit, Christ died for us. So it's not just about the crucifixion and saying, oh yeah, he did die, wow. No, think about it. Where were you? You thought you were walking along in life just doing a pretty good job, and you knew in your heart you weren't. But God is good, guys. It's almost as if, it's, as if Paul is saying, okay, guys, you know about all that stuff? Now stop and think about it. Think about the profoundness of this. Okay? At that moment, at that moment, Christ, who cried, Who died? Who died? Christ died for the ungodly. Even though we might think we were pretty good people, we're pretty rotten to the core. To God's standards, anyway. He demands perfection. And we can't do it on our own. We've got to live life through Christ. Wow. Christ died. Okay. But, verse 7 says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. Scarcely for a righteous man. Righteous man could be construed as being a person who is correct, who is proper, who opens doors and, and uh, walks good little old ladies across the street. Perhaps scarcely someone would die for a person like that. Think about it. Think about it. Then it says, perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. Good man kind of um, insinuating that it would be a person, a loving person, a gentle person, not just righteous, but good, loving, compassionate, you know, my dad type of guy. Would you die for that type of person? But stop and think. Okay, I'm not talking about diving in front of a speeding bullet to save one's life. That comes and goes quickly. Okay? I'm talking about for all eternity knowing, discerning what your mission is. To go and die, not for this good person, quote unquote, but for the rotten ones. Okay? Can you imagine the goodness of the Lord to give his one and only begotten son for people who didn't deserve it? Okay, it's one thing to even consider dying for a good person. And believe me, you, if you sit and you have more than a few minutes to think about it, you're not going to want to do it. Because life is pretty enjoyable at times. 
we have our beautiful, precious kids, our beautiful wife. I have that promising job. But Mark, you're saying all the positives. Okay. Even if you don't have all those things, you love yourself. I don't care who you say you are. I don't care how depressed you might seem. You love yourself. Because if you weren't depressed, it'd be a sign that you didn't love yourself because you'd be glad that you weren't as good as you thought you should be. You'd be glad people hated you. No, we all love ourselves. Self-esteem is a... (laughs) It's a lie. The one that gives us our worth is the Lord. Okay? His signature, his handprints on us is what gives us our worth. But could you imagine dying for the weak, utterly helpless, um, evil sinners, enemies of God? That's where we all were. And God sent his son. Could you imagine? Not just yourself dying for someone, but sending one of your precious kids to die for someone. I'm, I'm so proud of my son that's in Cambodia and right? I do missionary stuff. He's my beautiful boy. But you think for one minute I'd release him to Colombia willingly, I mean to Cambodia willingly? If he called me and said, Dad, I'm going to stay here, I'd say, oh, Lord. You know, as people, we, we cling to things. So we're not going to sacrifice. No way. Think about it. And we're just people. Putting everything on the table, we're all the same. Just men and women. We're just folks. But we get to the point where it's all about us, and we're not going to do it. But God, being who he was, who he is, we're not talking about a good, decent guy doing this. We're not talking about the governor of California doing this or the president of the United States or the king of the world. We're talking about God doing this because of love, because of love. I don't think we'd even dare to think about it. But God, wow, the, that's that saving clause, right? But God, what would we be without God? But God, but God demonstrates his own love, his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's an amazing thing. Could you imagine if we came to Calvary Chapel Amani and every Sunday morning the pastor was out there and said, let me, let me check you out. Hold on. Um, you know what? You have this problem in your life. You dress funny. Um, you got pride. Go home. When, you, when, you're, when you're better off, then come back to church. The Lord sent his son to die for us while we were still on the enemy's side. We were still the losing team. We were still evil, defiant, selfish, rebellious people, enemies of God. Okay. He didn't say, go away, come back another day when you're doing better and I'll, I'll grade you again. No, he says, come now. Come now. 
My son died for you. He will take care of you. He will change you. He'll do the transforming. It's not on our own effort. It's His. It's an amazing thing. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Okay. We're saved by his blood. We're justified. We're cleansed. We're made to look as if we were innocent. Nothing there. No sin. It's all gone because of this sacrifice. And this sacrifice, it's a tremendous, 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 precious price that's been paid for us. The God of the universe has sent his son to die for us, spill his blood. Do you think that's a precious price? His only begotten son, okay, not created, begotten son, dies for us. Much more than now, been, having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Okay. After doing all that, giving his only son, watching his pain, watching his sorrow, how many of you know that he, he suffered sorrow while he was on the cross? I think that's the heaviest, the biggest, most profound thing of that crucifixion. The sorrow and the pain that he felt for the whole world on the cross. He was chastised, chastised for all our, our wrongs, not his. Could you imagine carrying that, all that evil on your heart, upon your chest, on that cross, in one certain moment? The Lord couldn't look at it. It was so horrible. Okay. Can you imagine the Lord having to pay that price for us and then saying, but I'm going to allow you to feel the wrath of anyway? No. The price was much too valuable. He paid way too much to just let us go that simply and that easily. He paid the price. A valuable price. A precious price. I don't think he would let go of that. He doesn't take back his gifts. Um, One of the sisters gave me a word that I had thought about using in the first service, and I didn't, but the word is ineffable. Does anyone know what that means? No? In Spanish, it's ineffable. It's in scriptures. It means the Lord does not erase what he's done. He doesn't take back what he's done. His love is not going to stop being love. His sacrifice is not going to stop being a sacrifice. 
we're not going to feel the wrath. If you're a son and daughter of God, he's not going to take away your salvation. The price is way too much. Way too much. Let's go to Romans. Verses 31 to 38. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but deliver him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written, for your sake we are all killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In who? In Christ Jesus our Lord. Who was the price he paid? Christ Jesus. Ineffable. Can't be erased. Then we're going to be saved from wrath. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, check this out. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Wow. If while we were enemies, while we were enemies, by his death, we were reconciled. We were brought close. Reconciliation. That's an amazing thing. Reconciliation. Healing. Putting back together. Bringing together. I imagine just... We were destitute. We were the farthest we could be from God. And Christ takes our hands and the Lord's hand and puts it together again. He brings us back by his death, his sacrifice. Imagine that. The most remarkable thing in the world is this. The Lord is the one that initiated the reconciliation. Isn't that amazing? In every faith in the world... It's all about man reaching up towards God. Doing all the good deeds, following all the traditions, following all the rituals to try and please God. But always coming up short. In Christianity, it's such an awesome, amazing thing. God reaches out to man. 
He provides a reconciliation. He brings us forth. It, it, it doesn't make sense. How many of you married? Raise your hand. How many of you have, have gotten your wife mad at you? Raise your hand. Ah, there's a few honest people. <laughs> Could you imagine the harshness? Okay, this is real life. Real life. Could you imagine you having committed adultery? If you're feeling conviction, I'm sorry. Could you imagine you having committed convict, uh, adultery on your wife? Then having her come to you with a bouquet of the most beautiful roses in the world and saying, Honey, mijo, let's get together. Let's let bygones be bygones. That does not make sense. The wrath of a woman scorned is forget it. Okay? Reconciliation is not, that's not the type of reconciliation we understand. We understand that man better get on his knees, fill the room with roses, and beg for forgiveness. Right? Better change his ways now. Okay? But the Lord, okay, that, but the Lord, just think about that. Who is this? It's God coming to us measly. Me, I'm sorry, I'm offending you guys again. Mere little humans and saying, I love you. I want to forgive you. Accept my gift. He brings us a rose. That rose is called Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, he, and, and Paul is, is, is talking to the Romans. He goes, you guys know about salvation? But have you thought about this? Have you thought about the greatness, the compassion, the love that God shows while he's doing this? For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled, brought back to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled. Okay, now that we're friends, we shall be saved by his life. That means, can you imagine? While we were enemies, we were blessed to be brought into his family. But now that we're friends, family, sons and daughters, man, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. When you have a worry, you're free to worry if you want. But man, we got someone strong looking out for us. Someone really has our back, like Pastor Manny says. Being enemies, we were reconciled. Once you're reconciled, the Lord, wow. The Lord is just there loving on us, um, having fellowship with us. Can you imagine the Lord of the universe? Pat, the Lord of the universe in your heart, man. That doesn't make sense, huh? It's just an amazing thing. Verse 11 says, And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Okay, receive the reconciliation. We understand that. But we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means... Um, that the Lord isn't this distant God that gives us forgiveness, that gives us reconciliation, and stands back and says, you are my servants, although we are, and says, you are my people. No, he's here. Could you believe that? He's here. 
We not only enjoy the gift of reconciliation. We not only enjoy the gift, but we enjoy and have fellowship with the giver. Who is the giver? God himself. Stop and think. Man, I want to go to church. I want to be with my brothers and sisters, and I want to be together with them with my father. That's what should be the impotence between between um, not wanting to come to church and coming begrudgingly. Man, it's a privilege to come. It's a privilege to sit at home and spend time with my father. The person who reconciled me, the person who gave me new life. So as Paul told the Romans, we need to stop and think. Contemplate. Ponder the fact. Don't just take your salvation and say, oh, I'm saved. Praise God. No, did you think about that before you said it? Did you think about what was involved? The Lord is good, guys. Tremendously so. He's amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. He is awesome. How many of you think that word awesome should be reserved only for God? It should be. We call everything awesome. We're silly people. Uh, This is an awesome chair. Where'd you get it? What? It's a nice chair. It's comfortable. Not awesome. We should strike that word from the English dictionary and reserve it only for God. Awesome Abba Father. That, That sounds better. He's good, guys. First service, I sounded angry. Did I sound angry today, right now? I don't know why I sounded angry. It wasn't my intention. But the Lord is good. (laughs) God is good, guys. Um, Let's pray, and then we're going to have a communion and fellowship with the Lord, guys. Amen. We thank you so much, God. Father, you are so, so wonderful, Father. And definitely, you are awesome, Father. You have us in awe just by everything you do, from the smallest to the greatest thing, Father. You just, so many gifts, so many blessings, Father. Father, we just come before you, and we thank you, and we lift up our our hands and our hearts, and, and we just praise you, Father, and give you glory. You are just so wonderful. Your gifts are ineffable, Father. We thank you, Father. We love you so much, Father. We ask you to keep our love for you growing more and more each day, Father. And just ask you to bless those, Father, that that, that are here just reaching out to you. Make them understand that you're reaching out to them, Father, and you're seeking to have them reconciled to you, Father. Have them brought close to you. It doesn't matter what the problem is, what the situation is, Father. You're God, so you're bigger than any problem, Father. We just thank you so much, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.